Welcome to Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm Freddie Woff. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. We're at the end. Yeah. God, I wish we weren't. I wish we were doing it for like four more weeks because I bet there's four more movies we could find that we'd be like, fuck yeah. Yeah, dude, totally. And and just I'll, I'll put this up front now and I'll probably say at the end too. Kickstart next up after this is uh, kind of running it all out. And that might be one of our largest kickstarts ever. I'm already anticipating a very long conversation about this month that has turned into probably, as we said, pre-Mike, one of my favorite months that we've done in the last four plus years we've done this thing. Right? Like, dude, every, every one of these movies has been fun. And it, it, I feel like each one has kind of been crazier than the other. Yes. I, I kept waiting for like one of them, most, most like the middle two maybe. And then after we got through the middle two, I was like, holy shit, dude, is the last one, is end of days going to suck? And I was like, yeah, I was nope, so worried it doesn't, about it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it does not suck. <laughs> this movie doesn't suck. Right. People can tell me that like anybody who doesn't like this movie is just fucking, they're just being haters, dude. There's nothing to not like about this movie. I mean, it's no. flawed, of course, but yeah. it's so much fucking fun and so out of control. And right. We talked about on the other three episodes where it's even in the kickstarts in between that all these movies are all directly tied to Y2K fear and what's going to oh, happen yeah. in the world and everything. This one literally talks about yeah. December 31st, 1999. There, this is the one that actually says this is when the apocalypse comes. It's and very they say much Y2K of, right, in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's very much part of the story too. So I think it's funny because like, unlike The Order, which was kind of delayed, it was supposed to have been out and got it, it was in uh, development hell for so long with the changing of guards. And Lost of, Souls too. Lost Souls. And if you guys heard us on the Lost Souls episode, that one was the most interesting out of all of them. Again, I hadn't seen it and it was so, it was such a, just a, Great story. It was beautiful looking. Again, listen to the episode and you'll your hairs gush over it, how much we really enjoyed it. But this one, again, as I described it when I was watching it, I'm like going, it's an Arnold action movie with the devil stuck in it. That's what you say when you see it initially, but... Not when you're watching it. Not when you're watching it. Yeah, it's... There was one point in there, by the way, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit with this one because when, I'm like, when Kevin Pollock bites it, and I kept thinking to myself, man, I maybe I'm thinking of a different movie, but I could have sworn he comes back and to fuck him over. And I'm like, oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah, let on. me just tell you something, pal. If you're ever holding a gun on me and the devil's standing behind you and he lights you <laughs> on fire, and I can yes. I'm gonna shoot you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you out of your misery before <laughs> I shoot the devil. Just right. letting you know that's the kind of person I am. I will put you out of your misery uh, before I decide to waste like a half a clip uh, on on the devil because I you know, it's probably not going to do any good. No. Okay. So we already mentioned Arnold. So let's run out of the cast real quick. Uh, we started off the month with this guy. Yeah. And at one point we were jokingly saying it's October because right. Gabriel Byrne bookended the entire month with stigmata and now playing the devil here. In or the man. The man as they call him. It's funny that they don't ever really call him the devil. They call all all the derivatives in between, right? Yeah. All, you know, and by the way, fucking Rod Steiger. Dude, <laughs> look, I'm just saying, I fucking always love Rod Steiger. Always. Dude, and dude, dude Rod Steiger, dude, Rod Steiger, Rod Steiger's not acting. Rod, Rod Steiger is fucking living this role as the yes. fucking, as the priest. And yeah. uh, he is fucking, dude, er, it's funny. You can tell, like, everybody is just kind of like, when they're in the scene with Steiger, they literally... They fade 
They, yeah. they, they fade from the foreground. It's, yeah. Steiger. it's like Steiger's sucking energy from everybody starting to glow. <laughs> he might have been the devil. Yeah. There was, a, a, again, Kevin Pollock playing Bobby Chicago, Arnold's partner now. They're former cops. Like, at least we, they always say, like, Schwarzenegger's former cop, right? But then. Right. Even but Kevin Paul gets a little shit from. Was he a cop too? I mean, I don't know. It's never really it, it, clear. It doesn't really matter. To me, they're like a, they're private eyes. He <laughs> has a line in there that he gets shut down by, as you said in text form. Oh, what right? says '90s more like this person being in a movie? Please, yeah. this is this is all you, man. I said I said nothing says 1998 more than the face of CCH Pounder, and there she was, like literally. I was like, holy shit. She rocks, dude. She's yeah, dude. No, no. I mean, literally, when she showed up, I was like, "Holy fuck!" I forget she was in this movie, and I was like, "Yeah." yeah. And yeah. she's in everything, dude. She's in everything I love in that time period. I was so happy to see her face. Like, I forgot that she was in the movie. Right. Like you, I hadn't seen this movie since I saw it in the theater. I never, I didn't, I never rented it. I've never owned it. I saw it in the theater at the City Walk, probably opening weekend. Right. But I feel like half the people in there were booing it or, you know, or laughing at it. And, it, but again, watching it now, I understand why there, there's so much funny shit in this movie. I mean, yeah. stuff that is intentionally funny and stuff that's not intentionally funny that just right. is funny by happenstance. Like Udo Kier just mm. being in the movie, <laughs> which I hadn't remembered. Yeah. And I, you know, so, but Pounder um, and Udo Kier, dude, I mean, dude, if you're making a movie about the fucking devil. Yeah. And the end of times, you yeah. better have fucking Udo Kier in your movie, right? The, it's funny about the movie. I would have bet money this was a PG-13 movie. Oh, no, no way. I, that's, how I, that's how I remembered it. And so mm-hmm. when Christine York, who is the essentially born into in, into being the devil's concubine. Right, Robin Tunney. We, we, Robin, Robin Tunney. Tunney. We like, forgot to say her. Yeah, I'm, well, that's how I was, was going to say her name. I'm saying, go, go for it. Do it, do it, do your thing. When she takes off her top to change her clothes, literally just and something we don't need to see. Why not? And I'm like, all right, this is rated R. No, but I'm the, for the confines of the story, it's not necessary. Sure. I don't but know. She might have had a mark. She might have had the mark of the beast there. I don't know. Yeah, but the mark of a beast was something visible. We already saw it. We knew where it was. was I it don't care. Foot or something? I, I don't <laughs> object. <laughs> I know. But it was my... Re- it's Peter Himes, dude. He was making he was making a 1989 movie in 1999. Yeah. And speaking of Peter Heim being the director, he also is the DP on it, just like we talked about with Enemies Closer. He's Yeah, Enemies Closer. He's just he's the guy that would rather just grab the camera and just do his thing. And that, that and I love that about and I know the DGA is not doesn't look too fondly upon that kind of thing, but fuck it. Peter Heim don't give a shit. No, so, man. But a big studio movie like this, it's uh, it's, I'm surprised there, that, that he uh, is the credited DP as opposed to the occasional uh, additional photography by kind of thing. But okay, so who else? Am I, who else am I missing in this silly ass movie? Uh, well, a ton, we've, of, faces, we've a ton got, of faces that we could throw names at, but you're not going to know the names. I don't. I can. I'm looking at the know, cast you list. You might know Mark Mark Margolis as the Pope. We know him from Breaking Bad and Correct. And there's faces that you just recognize that are very nineties guys. Yeah, that like Eve Seagal is another person that you recognize she's the old woman. Yeah. She's her protector. Yeah. Yeah. You you see her face and you're like, oh yeah, I know that woman. She kicking the shit out of arms. <laughs> when I saw her, I laughed out loud because I, I recognized her from Good Burger. 
weirdly <laughs> enough. But she was on the, she was on the episodes of like The Profiler, Millennium, all those kind of shows in the late right. '90s. She's a very familiar face. Jack Shear as uh, Kellogg is another familiar face. You've seen him a bazillion times. He actually was in um, The Usual Suspects, which we just watched a few months ago. But he's like in the negotiator. He's like a real New Yorky, you know. He always plays a judge or a fucking DA or a lawyer or somebody. But lots of character faces, which is cool, man, because that's what this movie needs. We talk about odd casting, and this is the second time we covered a movie in 2023 where we're talking about the fact that this movie was originally scripted for Tom Cruise to play Arnold's character, Jericho Kane. By the way, <laughs> this movie is chock full of character names that are just so movie. <laughs> They're so oh, yeah, movie. Totally right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one thing that I, I have to say, and I remember it being a kind of a big deal. Again, we were talking about a lot when we cover these 90s movies and soundtracks and and songs made for a movie. This was the, also the first time that we heard the new lineup of Guns N' Roses after them not recording yeah. for how long? Five years, six years. This is after Slash is already gone. He's already done Snake Pit albums. He's a, he's he. They've gone off and they've really just dispersed. And I think other than Axel and maybe Izzy, everybody else is gone. Yeah, it's all, the, is this the is this the version of Guns N' Roses where they had the guy wearing the paper bag playing guitar? Oh, you're it, talking about Buckethead. 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 Yeah, that <laughs> wasn't face. no, that was a Buckethead <laughs> didn't come along until they were actually a band. Playing shows, yeah, and like you. playing, playing like House of Blues and all that stuff constantly. This was, uh, this is just the one track. That's funny again. This is the second time Arnold has had uh, Guns N' Roses doing a song in a movie he's in. The score now, the score is, I don't know. I, I felt like there was more. That's John Debney, dude. I uh, John Debney scored the Steve Jobs movie that I did. Yeah, I, I felt with the score in this what. I don't know how many actual cues he had, but I felt like it was the same cue over and over and over again. Yeah. I feel like a lot of it's borrowed from other stuff too. Yeah. There was a, again, being the bedroom musician that I am, I, I have a lot of sample libraries, but there's a sample from a sampling library of a choir that is used a lot in this. It wasn't until I read the Wikipedia on it. I'm like, oh, that's why that shit sounds so familiar. That's one thing that was a, that that's noticeable in between uh, all the imagery. Okay, I mentioned earlier it's it's a Schwarzenegger action movie with the, just the opening. There's whole helicopter opening, <laughs> right? It's so nutty. I just kept thinking to myself, how much of the budget is in that opening scene with the helicopter? Because it's definitely shot in New York. There's no question about it. No, 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 totally. It's totally shot in New York. That scene where do where the uh, manhole the, that where that whole construction site blows up when uh, yeah. when when the devil makes his way up from a hell right. <laughs> or whatever whatever's going on at that moment. Which is another thing. I, it's funny. Like there are a lot of things. I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right now? It doesn't matter. <laughs> and then they cut back to Gabriel Byrne. Dude, the way that Byrne gets taken in the bathroom, like Dude. twice taking a piss. <laughs> when, during the order, we talked about how the, they got delayed, the release, because they had to change the, the visual effects in there. And the visual effects in this are very similar, where you have this kind of abyss water-like thing where, yeah. or I want to say the demon, I want to call it the devil, was moving through the city. It's, it's, it's actually really well done. And you know how hard, that is a really difficult effect to pull off when it's at night. Oh, yeah. Because it's all nighttime shots. But yeah, but you're right. When he gets taken in the restaurant, it's um, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. 
By the way, it'd be just because last time I watched it, so I half-assed paid attention to it because I think when I saw it last was when we were first in lockdown and we were covering all the big action stars and we did Eraser instead of this movie because this movie we talked about doing and then when we got to it, for, if I remember it correctly, it was harder to come by. It was it wasn't on stars anymore, but it was on something else, and so I was in the mood to watch and I watched it. That was the last time I watched it, so I saw it watched it like a few years ago. But what I didn't remember even from that time was that that whole action sequence in the beginning was Kevin Pollock and Arnold Schwarzenegger protecting Gabriel Burns' human uh, yes. house that he hasn't taken over yet. I guess I didn't click with me before the last time I watched it, and then when they say it again, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, see, that's why you're spoon feeding me again because I fucking missed him. <laughs> well, here's the funny, time. right? I guess he did need a little spoon feeding. Yeah. In my mind, I'd always thought that Byrne was playing was a priest who ended up being yes. possessed. And that's he's what not. I thought he's, too. he's not right? right. Like, but in my mind, in the way I remember things, you know, uh, what do they call that? Uh, what do they call that paradox? It's like where you, you know. You remember things that aren't exactly true, you know, like C-3PO has a silver leg, but most people don't remember that. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I wonder if it's, a, is, it a, is it a mashup of Stigmata since they came out the same year? Mm, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I mean, but yeah. in, in my brain, I mean, I think it's partly the way he's dressed and I don't know. And, it, it, you know, and we're, we're in and out of the church. There's so much going on. I think, you know, again, I hadn't seen it in 20 years. Right. In my mind, I just thought, oh, yeah, he's, he, and I thought, well, how weird that he plays a priest in Stigmata and he plays a priest in End of Days, but he doesn't play a priest in End of Days, which is made very clear in that opening bit with Arnold and Pollock. And then it's confirmed in the restaurant. Yeah. They could protect him from everything but the devil. He wears all black in it too once he yeah. gets consumed. So there's that too, why it kind of feels very sure. um, religious, right. if you will. Yeah. yeah, I mean, what else with the devil? I think you had texted me this. This, uh, what did I say when we did Stigmata? That some people always, you know, they, they just call him a poor man's Pacino. Right. Okay, so this, this performance is kind of similar to. It's not similar, really, but I could see. No. Yes. I could see like in the Devil's Advocate, like that. You know. So now we got basically Byrne just fucking chewing the scenery. Right. Doing what Pacino does in the in the Devil's Advocate, but still, I mean, it's you know he's he's doing his own thing. He obviously, he's having a great time, dude. There's, dude, there's some yes. funny, there's some great moments in this, like when Burn, dude, <laughs> this movie yes. goes for it, right? Like, yes, are you, are you gonna? Uh, I think you're gonna see what I'm, I was gonna say. Are you talking about the threesome? Oh no, I was gonna well, talk about how he takes out Kevin Pollock. <laughs> well, I was gonna talk. Well, I was gonna talk about that later, but I was also gonna say there's some great moments. There's, there's a moment where he takes out and he just punches the top of Udo Kier's head right off for failing him. Like he punches him in the forehead and it just ripped. It just literally scalps him and you see it brains and he just falls to his dead that moment. But then the, the crazy weird mother daughter threesome with right. the devil right. <laughs> like, where they all just sort of start melting into one body. Right. Very much like devil's advocate when Very you're much having, so. uh, Keanu's getting it on with his quote unquote sister. Yeah. But he doesn't know it's his sister. Sure, that whole yeah that that whole amalgam thing that you see in the back of the, on the wall that's that 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 moving art, if you will, and Devil's Advocate is very much reminiscent of this moment yep. where yeah, Rhythm and Hughes did all the visual effect shots in there. And for a movie like this, when you see it, when you get to the end credits, for me to tell you that there's only sixty visual effect shots the entire movie. That's a number that is almost unheard of in any movie that doesn't even have visual effects where you're right. just changing skies or whatever. 
that get counted as a visual effect for a movie that clearly has visual effects in there to find out there's less than a hundred in there is crazy, but barely 50. That's nuts. Yeah. Cause the movie actually doesn't look horribly dated. No. Like, I mean, there, there's some things like, obviously now they've just fallen out of fashion, but I mean, even that big dude, like all the stuff on the subway, like when they fucking train crash, Fuck, that stuff all yeah. looks great. Like when the fucking tree, when it's smashing into itself, it's getting shorter and they're like, Oh, fucking hold on. You know, all that stuff looks cool still. When he has his little minion say he's coming for you, that whole bit where he just breaks and just falls apart. If that, I mean, the movie is this old and it still works. And right. obviously the big reveal is that, you know, the devil, we see him in his full form at, in the church at the end. I remember it looking less believable. Yeah. But it's a puppet. Thank God it's not CG. Yes. And the puppet is fucking gorgeous, dude. I was like, I, I would love to see that like displayed somewhere so I can really check it out. But it's so detailed. I would bet that point to point wingspan is probably 10 to 12 feet. It looks like it's really deep. It's too detailed to be anything smaller. Yeah. I feel like they did some nice scale, some miniature work in there because that, that church yeah. is definitely it's a scale build. You don't, you, cause you don't feel that weird super imposition no, optical it effect. It no. feels, it feels like it's all right there. Yeah. I mean, I would have to go back and do a little research on it, but I feel like, uh, Himes did a little bit of the same vibe of this in the relic inside the museum. Right. With some of that stuff just a couple of years earlier. Right. Look, I got really no complaints about this movie. And I, no. my, my, my one question for you is always like, do you think anybody who's been listening to the other episodes, they didn't know we were going to end with this? I mean, it's called End of Days, <laughs> and it's the devil made me do it. I mean, come on. People got to know. You guys knew. You knew, right? Well, here's the thing. So we said we said that we'd seen both the, the, the bookends. We had seen them both. I don't think anybody thought we were going to do this movie. I don't because no? it, does, it doesn't fit the other three movies. It doesn't fit what we're doing because we're literally looking at, I mean, yeah, Stigma. These were, the other movies were studio movies, but they weren't. They weren't big movies. They weren't Arnold Schwarzenegger-driven movies. No, they. Were, but it's funny. Like we were talking, like uh, the budgets on those other movies. I think the lowest <laughs> one is thirty-eight million dollars. Right. And fucking dude, they don't. You know, Lost Souls was a fifty million dollar movie. Stigmata was over forty, and I think the order was thirty-eight. Yeah. By some standards, those would be considered pretty decent sized budget movies now. Right. But this motherfucker is over $120 million yeah. easily. I mean, just shooting in New York alone fucking, you know, gets you, you know, halfway there. <laughs> right. The, the noted on Wikipedia is $100 million, so you got to you know, give or take. Sure. I'm going to give. I think, I, think we made, I think we made a comment about it. I think we might just been chatting about it. But the other, th I was guessing that the other three movies combined budgets were going to be equal to this one. So I was pretty close. close. To it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like worldwide, it made $211 million on yeah. a $100 million budget, which I'm sure was disappointing at the time. But I mean, still, like this movie definitely had, it looks like it made the majority of its money world, worldwide uh, outside right. of the U.S. Right. We talked about Tom Cruise, this being written for him. Just like with the other movies and the, specifically The Order, this one had some more shuffling going on too. But even though The Order was always being written and directed by Brian Heglund, this one had Del Toro offered, Sam Raimi was offered, but they, they turned down to work on other projects. But this one was funny. Liv Tyler was offered the Christine York part, but then they couldn't make a deal. 
and things kind of worked out for her because she oh, went dude, on I'm to so do the Oh, dude, I'm so glad. Lord. Robin Tunney's boy. I was, I just was going to say we should talk about Robin Tunney for a second, but wow, I, yeah, this movie's better. This movie's way better with Robin Tunney, right? And there's more to that. You know, she moved on to go ahead and go do the Lord of the Rings movie, so that kind of worked out for her. Sure, but Kate Winslet, she dropped out, and then Robin Tunney was replaced her. Funny. Yeah. This doesn't seem Winslet, but I, I mean, I could see it with Kate Winslet. I could see Winslet in this more than I would want to see Liv Tyler. And I think Liv Tyler, for me at the time, would have been distracting because of the Aerosmith videos, <laughs> if I'm being honest. She, she made a great elf, though. I think reason why maybe Kate Winslet was into it, I think that might have been the, the Cameron effect there. I think it was kind of those one of those things where, hey... Maybe go do this because this is the first thing she right. did. She had just done Titanic, Titanic and was probably, sorry. I need purge and go do something, you know, <laughs> something okay. else. I just worked with the devil. So maybe I don't want to be in a movie with the devil. Maybe that's why she dropped out. She was like, oh, this is too much. He's just, it's too much like being on the set of Titanic. I got to get out of here. So we can pivot now to talk about Robin. Robin is. Dude, here's the one thing about Robin, Tony. For me, like I always see her bald first. It's weird, right. like from Empire Records. I can't get that yeah. out of my head. So I when I see her in something, it takes me a minute to be like, you know, to sort of, you know, it's like when you're looking at something and it's off in the distance and you're trying to focus on it and then suddenly it comes into focus. You're like, oh, okay, that's what it is. It's, it always takes me a moment to like, you know, to remember. And Robin Tony's been in a lot of, a lot of stuff we like. Last week when we did Lost Souls, Winona Ryder was, you know, she was a total it girl, right? And in a lot of ways... Robin was still kind of riding a, 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 I don't want to say it girl, but there's a group of it girls, you know, and she was still kind of riding that way from the craft where everybody in the craft was coming out of that with a lot of heat. Right. And she did some smaller things in between, but this was still kind of in that vein of the craft and the, the supernatural aspect of it. Um, the difference was, of course, she's on, <laughs> she's on the other side of it all and uh, being the devil's spot as opposed to being uh, someone that's summoning him. Yeah, and she did Vertical Limit right after this. So, you know, I mean, she she had a good run there in, in, in you know, 96 to like 2002. You know, she was one of those people, you, you know, you'd get in these movies. I don't want to say genre type movies, but she was, I don't want to say she was second tier to those people. But like she, she found her way into a lot of these movies that were sort of... I don't want to say iconic of the time, but dude, she does good work. I mean, it, this is kind yes. of a thankless role, really, right. if you think about it. Okay, the movie's about the movie's kind of about you, but it's not about you at all. <laughs> right. Right? It's about Jericho <laughs> and the man. For me, Robin is one of those performers that you always know that Robin is in the role. You know it's her, but she I don't want to say she's a chameleon, but her performances are definitely not always the same. She sure exactly. She's a solid performer, and so that's one of the things. And you again, you can watch something like Vertical Limit less than a year after you see End of Days, and you're kind of oh, it's Robin Tooney. I'm like, oh, that was that was fun. That was something I wouldn't have expected from her, right? And she did that a lot. I mean, but like he's, like you said, Empire Records. It's kind of hard to shake. Like, oh my gosh, that's right. You have hair. When I saw her in the craft, because I saw the craft probably, I don't know, the craft came out probably within six or eight months of Empire Records. Right. Watching the craft, it was hard for me like not to be like, oh, it's from Empire Records. That's exactly where you went. And I mean, look, if that's what you're, if if that's your calling card for your career, it's not terrible. I mean, it's cool. Um, one thing I would say about Robin Tunney, she kind of reminds me of uh, Amy Madigan. I feel like when Amy Madigan shows up in a movie, you're like, you're you're never like, 
waiting for it. But once she shows up, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. The movie was better because Amy Madigan was just here. Yeah. And I feel like Robin Tony does solid work like that as well. In the 90s, this happened a lot. When you come around to see a movie and then you're sitting down and watching it, and you know, I know how you were. I know how I was. And I think you're probably more into it as I was, where you're reading the rags more about casting and, and productions and things where, where certain projects were at. You sit down and watch a movie and like, hey, I thought blah, blah, blah was supposed to be in this because you it was always so well documented when a certain performer was going to be in a movie and then they got swapped out. It didn't happen in the 80s a lot and it didn't happen in the 2000s a lot, but it happened a lot in the 90s where oh yeah, the opportunity came along because three or four other people bowed out and it was well documented by the rags and it was... I felt like, well, look, I just, I just read your small little blurb from Wikipedia where Kate Winslet was supposed to be playing the same part. I always felt like there was opportunities that were a little more public. We shouldn't know about some of this stuff until after the fact, but we always knew about it in the nineties ahead of it. And I thought that was kind of, kind of shitty for, if you're the performer, you know what I mean? To, to, yeah, to, totally. to, for everybody like, oh, I would have preferred this person, blah, blah, blah. Right. But I mean, I feel like as an actor, you sort of get used to it, right? Like, you right. Know, they, again, what did we say? There can only, there can be only one. Right. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes there can be two or you are the second show. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, you know, a lot of, a lot of these movies, like we talked about speed, Keanu Reeves wasn't the first choice for right. speed. Right. Can you imagine anybody else playing? No, hell no. Yeah. Let's talk about Schwarzenegger because to me, this Schwarzenegger, this was, I mean, this came after Batman and Robin, right? And this, this was after his heart attack, right? Because he hadn't been in anything for a while because he had heart surgery in between Batman and this, I think. That might sound, that's about right. But I mean, this was kind of a comeback movie for Schwarzenegger, like who had been like, like, I, I feel like his, probably his biggest film of the 90s was probably what, True Lies? Oh, yeah. That was early on. Was that like 94? 94. 94. Right? 94, so, 94, yeah. So like, I mean, uh, there's a couple things in between there, but I feel like Batman and Robin was the worst thing that happened to everybody involved. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, it's not all, dude, Mr. Freeze might be my favorite part of that movie, honestly. Oh yeah. It, by far. The man made a career on one-liners. Yeah. Of course you're going to give him. Yeah. And yeah. all those one-liners were so great in the movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a cornball movie. I definitely say I can sit down and watch it now and not, and just enjoy for its absurdity and, and just kind of chuckle at it. Yeah, even though that opening scene is very Arnold-like of this movie, like with the helicopter bit, it felt reminiscent of anything that he did at any point. Very speaking of true lies, it's very reminiscent of the the Jamie Lee Curtis moment where she's hanging above the helicopter yeah. and he's holding on to her. That's very. I mean, that whole bit is almost the same kind of situation. I don't know. I didn't say this to you at the time. I kind of jokingly said, I'm like, well, you know what? Arnold Stanton's got to do something. He's been out of work for a little while. <laughs> so we got to let him do something. Yeah. I mean, I think there was probably about four years, you know, or there was a few years between shooting Batman and Robin, which were probably wrapped in 96 and then shooting this. Right. So he was probably out of work for two years. And I don't think that, the, you know, I think everybody was kind of collectively holding their breath. Is Arnold going to be able to do these kind of movies, you know, right. anymore? Right. That was pretty major heart surgery. It wasn't like, right. it was a big deal. And then that was... 25 years ago, roughly. So, I mean, you know, I mean, now what they did to him is probably a lot, you know, there's the procedure is probably a lot easier, but I mean, there were, I remember there were a lot of anxious people. Oh yeah. Cause I remember I had worked on Jingle All the Way, which might've been after, no, I think Jingle All the Way was probably before. Was it, I thought no, it was, it was after like Batman and Robin. Wasn't it 90? I thought, wasn't Jingle All the Way like 93 or something? No, I think it, I think it came out in 97. I think it might've came out the same year as, uh, 96, 96. Yeah. So 
it probably shot, you know, they probably shot it all around the same time. Cause I remember it was one of the first, I mean, we did a, we were doing reshoots on it too. So yeah. I don't even think we had Arnold or maybe we had him for a day. It was the scene where the, the toy store and everybody's fighting over the, we, we oh, built yeah. a toy store. Right. Dude, Arnold was super nice, man. He was cool as shit. But for Arnold to do those kind of movies, this was kind of a comeback for him. That's, I mean, it's really why he shifted and did true lies and like, you know, that there was a concern, is he going to be able to do that kind of movie? Because that's his draw. That's his bread yeah. and butter. You know, that's where they made all their money worldwide. Just like in a days, globally, he was such a draw that I, some, I partly feel that that opening sequence with the helicopter and as far as the extravagance of it was pretty much for the worldwide market more than it was for the, for the United States. Yeah, it, this is one of those movies that I feel like people are aware of. But I'm not sure that many people have seen as far as North America because I feel like it, it's more, as we discussed, more well-versed in and well more well-seen worldwide. Uh, but home video, I don't know, man. Like it, it came out right when DVDs were, were just starting to hit. Oh, I, yeah. I'm sure. I'm, I, I feel like most people probably saw this movie at home. Right. right. And I also, I want to, I feel like there was a point where Arnold Schwarzenegger was supposed to be so this was the rumor. I remember lots of people always talking about, well, we're working on this movie through this thing called uh, I Am Legend and Schwarzenegger is going to play, you know, uh, this remake Forever. of the Omega Man and da, da, da. And then somewhere that all fell apart and End of Days was coming out. And I was like, oh, so is End of Days the same thing? And it wasn't. Right, because Cameron was involved with the I Am Legend thing. And Ridley Scott, I think, was involved at one point. There were so many... So many people involved. That's why it was so funny when you go back and watch something like Last Action Hero, where you're watching all those mock trailers. I kind of felt like I Am Legend was was that kind of thing, where it's like, you might as well make the fake trailer because this movie's never going to fucking happen. Right. And uh, unfortunately, it happened, but not with the people that we wanted it to happen with. <laughs> so Yeah, it's funny. I, until you just said that, I forgot that, yes, they did make that movie. Again, we've, we both were talking about that it feels like this movie is probably mostly seen at home as far as United States and, and, and you and I had to see it the same way. <laughs> we saw it on Tubi, speaking of being at home and right and watching it. And that's the ultimate stay at home thing because well, you don't have a choice. It's Tubi. For a movie that's what, 202, right? Something like that's two hours, two, two yeah. hours, mm-hmm. two minutes. It plays really smoothly with the commercials. I don't, and, yeah. and I don't, and I don't really feel like the commercials were there. It would go black for a moment, like it did did in the Tubi month, and it just come right back. I rarely saw an actual full commercial, and if I did, it was like one of those like fifteen second ones, and it was, and we were back. Right, nothing distracted my my uh, my viewing experience in this movie. Like, would I prefer to watch it without the commercials? Yeah, maybe, but I mean, it certainly didn't hurt him, and like. And goddamn, dude, if it's, it's it's not a lot of fun. I mean, right. I would. Here's the thing, dude. This is this is the first time we've done a month where I was like, fuck. What I would love to see every one of these movies on a big screen. If I could program like a, a midnight movie at Vidiots <laughs> for a month, I, would, I these are my four movies. Lost Souls was such a surprisingly beautiful movie. It's so gorgeous. And I get, I guess I shouldn't say I'm surprised because once I sat down and started looking at who was involved in it, I'm like, well, no, duh, of course it looks this good. Right. By the way, the 2B transfer is 480p. It's not even high def, but it looked good for yeah. knowing it was standard def. Here's the thing that sucks. If you're listening to this, on the day you're listening to this, it's going live on Patreon. Jump on it right away. If this is Friday the 27th, you've got four days 
to watch this movie because it is gone. It's bye bye come November first on yep. Tubi, and I don't know where it's come, where it's going to be next. So it's very much a it's on Tubi licensed just for this month for everybody to enjoy during their horror movie consumption. Is it horror enough? Yes, it is. Is it yeah, with, our, with our with our theme? Well, yeah, it does. Is yes. it bigger, much bigger in scale than the other movies? Yes. Yes. <laughs> does it fit into your Arnold Schwarzenegger action scratch with yes. scratch that itch? Absolutely. All over the place. It, it checks all the boxes. And here's what I gotta say. There's only like one or two one-liners in there. And I think it's kind of like, it's refreshing. I think Byrne has more one-liners than Arnold does. does in this movie. He does. That's, now, that's what I was going to get to. And Arnold's they're all delivered like, by Byrne and they're fucking great. Yeah. Jericho is troubled. He's a, he's a, a he's a broken man. He's man a few words. Yeah. And, and he's, you know, he lost his wife and his child. So that guy's not going to be running around saying one-liners. So I'm glad they were able to squelch that, even though. A lot of people were anticipating it. So when you don't hear it, right. and like you like you noted, if the man, Gabriel Burns' character, is running around saying the, some great one-liners, uh, you know, if Arnold was the devil, he'd be saying those lines too. But it's... Yeah, totally. <laughs> you know what's... Dude, I'm going to talk about... my One of my favorite sequences in this movie is when uh, Arnold goes to get Christine at the house and the old woman... The fight between him and the old woman is fantastic. I know. I was, starting to talk, I was starting to talk about it when you brought her up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. It is so fucking funny. Like, it is, I mean, her picking Arnold and slam, when she throws him over the piano and then crushes him against the wall with the piano, I literally was laughing out loud. I had to stop myself. I had to stop the movie because I was like, I had to re, I, I backed it up because I was like, I can't fucking believe what I'm seeing right now. This is fucking on fire. Right. I mean, it's the movie also has such a great sense of humor, right? Right. When, to, to your point with this whole thing, when you see movies like this where you have Satanists or devil worshipers or however you wanted to describe them, where they're always after the ultimate power, like as soon as we do this, like with like with Lost Souls, as soon as we do this, well, it's, you know, it's been 2,000 years and Jesus has had his time, now it's our turn, that whole bit. You never, the power that they speak of is usually power over people, not physical power. So this right. is like when you see her doing what she's doing and tossing Arnold around like that, that's one of those first few times that you see it manifested physically in strength that a non-demon devil slash person is... Because anytime a demon is consuming or possessing somebody, they always have super strength. This isn't that. This is just a Satanist that just has gained power for... Her loyalty to the devil. It's like a D. It's like a D and D character, right? Like right. you, uh, you, you learn spells. Your power grows. It, I mean, I, I, to me, I feel like it's like I've been, a, I've been a lower demon for you know two centuries now. <laughs> and I mean, who's to say that that woman? She's probably been around for you know I don't know. She's probably you know hundred years old. We don't know. We don't like know. all like Udo Kier like did that weird. The, the beginning of the movie, like where right. he's cutting the snake open and and dr taking that poor <sighs> baby and just throwing blood dude. all over that like newborn baby. That is the weirdest fucking moment, dude. Like it, you're going goes for it all the time. Yes, and when we talked about it when we did enemies closer, it, it's just like there's there's visual choices that are major. Like oh shit, for a studio movie that was surprising. Yeah. Let's spray some fake blood on this baby. I'm like 
Good God. <laughs> well, you know, the other thing too is like, we, again, we should talk about Peter Himes just for a second. I mean, we, we love fucking Peter Himes. And, and again, like I, you know, I for, I had forgotten that Peter Himes had made this movie until I was like, oh, we should do this devil. Movie. And I looked up and I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. That's Peter Himes. Of course we should do it. And this is coming right off of, um, again, I don't want to keep saying fucking relic, but I love relic. Yeah. And, and this is coming right off of relic. I mean, Himes dude, Himes from 1980 until 2000. I don't know, man. Not a lot of missteps for me. Right. Time Cop, all of all those movies. I mean, that guy knows, you know, you know, he knows a thing or two about making movies, especially big goofy action movies. We talked about the Relic so much. We did it during um during when we covered the Van Damme movie and then of course this one. At the time, I don't think it was anywhere, but it's on Prime and it's on Paramount Plus and it's on MGM Plus. So you probably have one of those three things. Watch it. Now, in some places, it's weird. The Relic is, is if you're listening to us, is already gone. I don't know how long it's going to be on some of these things for, but Just Watch is saying it's leaving tomorrow, meaning before we're recording this, that's two weeks from our actual episode airing. Right. It's got to be still floating around somewhere. You know, Himes, we've talked about him here and there. We've covered, now this is his second movie we covered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only our second, which sounds funny because we've talked about him so much. We, we talked, well, we talked about running scared, which is a Himes movie. Oh, so, when oh, we did so we running did scared. Three. We've done three. What was the first, what was the other one? Running scared. This, and then enemies, enemies. Closer. Well, we didn't really cover running scared. We covered the other running scared. We just talked about his oh, yeah, we kind of Well, you know, we, we interweaved. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> technically sure. So yeah, we, I mean, it's there. We talked about it, but we, but it's funny. It was like, but I feel like the relic probably is the one movie that we've talked about more than anything that we actually haven't covered. I think we talked about the relic a lot when we talked, when we did um, mimic. Yeah. Because they all sort of came out at the same time. Um, and I think we talked about it too when size weren't passed. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you can't go wrong with end of days. That's, that's nope. all I want to say about it. You can't go wrong. Like you said, everything you think it might be, yes, it is all of those things. Yep. It's every one of them. It ticks all those boxes. And if you, the question is, is it worth my two hours and two minutes? Fuck yes. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's a great time. It's a fun, unexpected closer considering how the rest of the month was as far as smaller movies, as far as, as far as a smaller story being told. This isn't that. This is bigger than all those, but it's just as at home as the other three. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and again, also, if you're trying to fill up your Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, I haven't seen these movies um, list. (laughs) This is one I feel like a lot of people haven't seen. I mean, I I know I guarantee you that some of the people who listen to us have seen this movie because there's two people in general I know have seen this. Again, it's a weird movie. Like I mentioned to my brother and he's like, oh, yeah, I never saw that. Was it good? And I'm like, yeah, man, you should totally fucking watch it. My brother won't watch it on Tubi. He's like, fuck that. Come on, are you kidding me with that? No, he won't. He, don't, he won't do two because he doesn't, uh, he just, you know, he hates commercials. See, d- see, okay, I don't understand that. For uh, Me neither. Growing up, what, te- what television breaks All on network television, dude? I mean, yeah. that's just, it should be comfortably familiar to you. Sure, man. It should be nostalgic. Yeah. Anyway. Anyhow. Well, there you go. Devil made me do it. Literally, the devil. <laughs> Literally, with this one, we, we actually have yeah. a devil in this one. So yeah, anyway, there is a devil. This was a fun one. It's funny. I don't know if we ever would have covered this movie unless we decided to do a Peter Himes month. Right. It was just. It was an inspired choice considering the other three movies. I'm glad. Whatever it was that you saw that made you go, "Hey, you know what? 
Yeah, right? let's do this one. Because I don't think when you mentioned it, I said, fuck yeah, I don't think I hesitated. I'm like, yes, let's do that. Yeah, no, it was, again, it was, it was, uh, it was, I was, it was because of, it was during the Stir of Echoes month over the ghost. Yeah. I, I watched it on Tubi or Freebie, one of them, and literally stigma. Oh, it was Pluto because it was just streaming on Pluto and I was rolling yeah. through stuff. And literally there it was, Stigmata. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I started watching and I got into Stigmata and I was like, oh, fuck, we should totally just do this. All right. I put the beginning and the end together. And then I was like, oh, we can definitely find other things to fill this with. And I think I rattled them all off to you. Yeah. In, these are the movies we should do. And it was perfect too. Like we noted uh, early on, like I think we noted during the, the order episode, Stigmata wasn't supposed to be the first one and Mm-mm. we upped it because it was going away. Right. But it worked out really well because it was a great leader. These two movies, Stigmata and End of Days are great bread on this sandwich because it's, it's been really a fun month. I almost wonder like, there's so many movies. Again, we'll do it on our, our Kickstart wrap-up. I really feel like it's going to, there's a lot more to be talked about in this realm. Oh, Not yeah. just from the window of time we're talking about those last three or four years up to leading up to the year 2000. Oh, dude. Yeah, we can go back and we can go, we can go as far back as the 40s and 50s. And, and you know, I'll say this again. We said in the last episode, any of you Patreon supporters on there, Take advantage of the new app. The new Patreon app is, you know, it allows us to do chats and all that stuff. I'll start a new chat for this movie once it's been, once it's been released. And you guys can go ahead and throw your recommendations in there too, because uh, we want to know how you feel about these movies, but we, but there's so many more to consume. And like you if you guys go and drop some of your recs in there, we can talk about those in the Kickstarter episode. All right. If you want to follow us on the social, it's at Karate Pod on Twitter. Insta and Letterbox. You can follow Corey and Letterbox at Corey underscore Culp and on Instagram at Culprit97. If you like to follow me, you can follow me at Rock and Roll of 33 on your Instagram. Or you can follow me at Jericho on Letterbox. That's Jericho. Letterboxd.com. You wonder if Jericho was the name that Tom Cruise's character would have been if he was still doing the movie? Yeah, right. I don't it doesn't know. sound Jericho doesn't work for me with Tom Cruise. No, it works for it works for Arnold, but no, they would have to call him it's too close to uh Jack Reacher. I don't know. I mean, Jericho just seems like a... Yeah, Tom Cruise doesn't strike me as a Jericho. No. No.